Hello and welcome to another episode of Podcasting Success Secrets. My name is Hector Santias Esteban and I'm your host, your guide for today. And our special guest today is Mr. Brian Alice. And we're going to talk about his almost two decades of podcasting and why now he's thinking about hanging it up and excited for you to be here, Brian. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks a lot. At least you got my name right. That's cool. I did. Your show is also the DV show. So we're going to get into the stories here. Briefly for the listeners, this is an episode that if you've joined us recently, a number of these episodes are with experts and with people who are going to come in and they're going to tell you that maybe they're a guru or that there's some whatever and they're going to follow them. And we're going to try and pull out, you know, what are some of the, the th- good things that they're doing. And so go back and listen to a lot of those episodes. And I don't like, to, I don't mean to say it like those because there are some really brilliant people that we've had on our show. And not that Brian's not brilliant, but the other style of show, what you'll find is that we just want to interview podcasters and just talk about what are the things that they've done. Tell me about what happened here. Why did you do this? Why did you get started? Why did you keep going? And in this instance, why may you be thinking about hanging it up and so anyways, all that to, to give context to the show. So Brian, I know that the journey probably didn't start where the show began. So go back as far as you think is relevant, where the seeds of the podcast might have started, and then kind of catch us up a little bit about what some of the stages of that journey was. Yeah. So let me take you back to 2005, March 2005. Podcasting just came on my radar. I was at the time running a television studio, a TV station here in the Boston area. And I was like, "Ooh, let's try podcasting. So I pretty much thought of the name, The DV Show. Back then, digital video during that time were the keywords to use. And uh, if you're going to ask me about the title of the show, I'm going to give some tips later on on that. But it was called The DV Show. Started it out with people on my staff. And we did a podcast answering questions about digital video. Went on Apple, iTunes, all the platforms at the time and became completely popular. Now, I didn't look at my stat. We were having a lot of fun doing this podcast. We're having tons of fun. I didn't look at stats until about six, eight months in, maybe less than that, three, six months in. And it was like, whoa, people are downloading these episodes, listening to this stuff. I'm getting emails on this. This could be something. So then we just continued answering listener questions related to digital video. So started the podcast. We had a website up, just getting tons and tons of remarks, replies, engagement. And here we are 18 years later, and I don't want to do it anymore. (laughs) Pretty much. It's, It's been a long time. I'd love to go back into those first six months because a lot of the advice I've given on this show and in the Twitter spheres and such is to get to 50 episodes. Like, don't really look up until 50 episodes, then you can make kind of an assessment. And also the second piece of advice I give is to check your stats less, like whatever less is, right? You know, I remember for me, when I launched one of my first shows, I was, I was checking downloads like three times, five, maybe more times a day, thinking that I was going to see every little bump. And it was not good for the extent of the show. I found that the more that you check stats, you less likely that show is going to succeed. So with that being said, though, six months, eight months is a long time for someone to commit to anything, whether that's a fitness journey or a hobby or flossing, you name it. When you go back to that time, what was it that allowed you to maintain that consistency, to create that sustainability, to get to that six months and it still be a thing that was sustainable and feasible and the whole thing? So I do want to say that I am 100% on board with not checking your stats. So as soon as you start a podcast, if you ever get past three or four episodes, never, ever look at your stats. 
The thing that made it sustainable was one, we committed to being a weekly podcast. We committed to just kind of having fun every single week. And it was a way after work to kind of just get people together and let loose, talk about the industry, talk about topics that were going on, talk about new equipment that was coming into the market. But it was basically lots and lots of fun. And if you're not having fun, you know, I still tell people today, if you're not having fun with your podcast, if your only motive is to make money on your podcast, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen until years later. And I'm sure during this interview, we'll get there. But it first starts out with just having a lot of fun and being totally consistent. And it was easy for us because it was fun. I mean, it's like, hey, are we going to do the podcast today? Are we going to record this today? And that's basically just how it unrolled, just having that fun. And that's what kept it to the next episode, to the next episode, to the next episode, to the next episode. I mean, half the time in the video production industry, there's a little rule when you're interviewing people or when you're, you're having a recording session is to never show the tally light. Old cameras back then used to have like a red light that immediately told you that you were recording. And that tally light was never on. So it was like we had microphones in front of us, but it was almost like happy hour after work that was recorded and put up on these podcasting platforms. The fun came out and that's how the audience was, was, was just built. And again, when I came in like three, six months afterwards to look at the stats, I was floored. And then the dynamic of the podcast kind of shifted because now, you know, we can make something of this. <laughs> And at the time, that was just absolutely amazing in what we did. And I'm sure we'll get onto that as, as this podcast goes on. What is the next step? You look in six months later and you go, okay, what is, this could, we can make something out of this. You know, this can be, I like the word that you use, like it could be something. In your head, what did you think it could be? And is that what ended up happening? I honestly didn't think it was going to come out to be anything. I didn't think it was going to be anything. So after the three, six months, you know, we had a website up, we had these stat analytical programs that were looking at the downloads and all that good stuff. And the website was getting close to 20,000 hits a day at the time, which was equivalent to a lot on a monthly basis. The downloads every single month were huge. And remember, at the time, podcasting was just starting out. Adam Curry is the pod father who I actually met, who I think this is actually his microphone, if anyone's watching on video. He had gave that to me, but it was just starting out. And we had this niche audience that we were talking about video production and podcasting. And after looking at the stats, we were onto something. And I was like, wow, this could be something. I actually started up this subscription-based type of program, not charging anything, but we had the audience there where it was just easy for them to flow in. So now it's just like, okay, we have a website, we're going to offer some premium content, or we're going to offer some extra content on the website, we're going to start pumping out some blog posts. And we want a community around that we want to keep tabs on who's coming in, we want their email addresses, we want, you know, who they are. So we basically started to create this list with no effort, because of all of the previous work that we were doing pretty much watering the field, we had that audience base, and they just kind of came in from there, the next step, you know, we had close to, at the time, around 8,000, 8,200 subscribers on our premium free channel, who then later on converted to pay people. So we were on Patreon for a while, which we kind of outgrew. And then it came to like 10,500 subscribers, 22,000 subscribers on a paid platform. And we just kind of grew from there. So here I am today in 2023, and I still have those paying subscribers. 
on the website since I have maybe at least 10, 15% of them are still there from 2005. And the only reason why I'm doing podcasting today is that's how we started out. That's how we grew our audience. That's how we grew our listenership. And the only reason why I'm doing it is to show my face every once in a while. <laughs> and every time we have a new podcast, we get at least two, three additional subscribers. Sometimes they pay, sometimes they don't, but it's still kind of flowing in. So to this day, I still have this subscriber base that is just large. You know, it's bringing in a significant amount of income and I'm really not doing hardly any work. But there was a lot of work in those early days just to build up that audience, to be on top. It was kind of like an obligation to my audience at the time because we were the only quote unquote channel talking about everything video production. It was absolutely huge. It's not as easy to do that today because there's so many other channels like YouTube is just completely blown us away. But we built that audience first and just kind of built off of that. And here we are today. It seems like you're probably someone who just, you grab the keys and you're on the way to get something to eat before you think about where you're going. So for people who are kind of going through it and you say it was a lot of work, were there times or were there moments, was there an experience where it was like, man, this is where it shifted into a job maybe, or it became, you said like at the beginning, it was all about being fun. Then it started to become something and it shifted kind of how you guys treated it. Was that a moment? Was that a time period? Like, what was that like? Yeah, I'll tell you when that switch came to like, all of a sudden, we're like a legit business now and we have all these obligations. So my phone rings. And uh, on the other side is the publisher for Video Maker Magazine. And at the time, Video Maker Magazine, it's, it's still in existence today. It's been around since the 80s. And they're like the leader in video production and they're doing all sorts of stuff. So I get a phone call and Video Maker Magazine wants to buy us. We're interested in your podcast. We're interested in your content. But what they really were interested in is they knew the audience and they just wanted their email address. And that was the moment when everything just had a different dynamic. Everything all of a sudden got serious. It's like, Brian, we're on your podcast. Can we get paid? Guests would be coming on the show and asking to be paid or should we pay the guests? It did go from fun to all of a sudden more fun, but it was in this business dynamic that put a cloud over everything. So the content of the podcast changed, the people who were on the podcast changed, the format changed. We started getting sponsors in, which changed people getting paid, greed set in, just all of a sudden just got like really black and dark. <laughs> but that moment when Video Maker Magazine called me up, that's when the reality set in. I actually said no to them. I actually said, no, this is my baby. I don't need you guys. It was almost like, you know, I don't know if you watch Shark Tank, but sometimes the sharks are like, you don't need us. You're doing fine on your own. You don't need us. And that's the position I was in. I don't need you, Video Maker Magazine. But in hindsight, I do regret that. I wish I did give it to them to take care of, but I'm sure my listeners glad that I didn't. But it was that moment when Video Maker called me that things changed and it got all into like business mode. And it did feel like work because you had paying, not only paying subscribers who wanted to listen to your premium content, but then you also had sponsors who were looking to your podcast to generate leads. I mean, they're advertising, you're mentioning them, they want customers. So now you feel like now you got to give them the statistics and the analytics, you have to give them the tools at their fingertips to kind of measure the downloads. I mean, do they want a landing page on our website? Do they want a form? How are they? So it just kind of turned into business. So I didn't know anything about that back then. Like I said, I was executive producer for a TV station. I managed a TV studio. You know, I had a different business mindset, but now 
I have a podcast here. I have a piece of content. I have a content show that I have to sell, <laughs> you know, and I have sponsors on. So it did get different, but it did grow. And I'm glad it kind of did because the dynamic of the show changed. We still continued answering listener questions related to digital video, still kept going on, but I was struggling with having other people on the show, struggling with guests, getting guests on the show. Like, who do I talk to? They came in easy, but they didn't come in as easy this time because now we're a business. So it was different after that phone call. Was it you or a team? How did that develop? What did the team look like through all this? So when we were having fun in the heyday, there was a team involved. You know, I had a video editor on my staff that kind of edited the podcast and he took forever to do it. But then when it started to turn into a business, it became a one-man band, it became a one-man show. Thankfully for Upwork and all of these platforms where you can find freelancers, you can get some really quality people who can do some jobs in a heartbeat. I hired a person who would edit the podcast. I would get it like within 24 hours. But again, you had to kind of build a schedule into that. You had a social media manager who pumped out social media. I had a YouTube manager, channel manager. So the team was basically, you know, farmed out through these freelancing websites. And it was just kind of me at the core, pretty much acting like a project manager and worrying about sponsors <laughs> and premium subscribers because it turns into this business customer service relationship kind of thing. And at the same time, I'm a host. I need to get the guests in. I need to keep tabs on what topics to talk about, what would keep them interested. You burn out really, 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 really fast if you don't balance out your time. But here I am 18 years later, and it brought me this far. I'm totally burnt out now at this point. <laughs> yeah, talk about the stage that you're in now. And I'd love to know if there was an inflection point. Similarly, you talk about these key moments. You got that call from the magazine or the first one, I guess, going back, if you look at the stats and then you get the call, there's these kind of questions. Was there similarly a, an inflection point that's brought you to this new phase of the show that you're in? Yeah. So a couple of things happened along the way. So competition is one. We had a real advantage back then for about a good 10, 12 years, or maybe even nine, eight years, something like that. But we had a good advantage because we were the only podcast talking about video production. I mean, we were like a niche. We not only had a podcast, we used to go to like trade events. We had a booth where we did live podcasts. We had guests just like lined up and we had months of shows prepared just from going to these trade shows. And we were just like the podcast to listen to. And now because YouTube, YouTube really kind of, I don't want to be negative and say they ruined us, but there's competition on YouTube where now you can just, you know, what the hell are you doing? A podcast, an audio podcast about video production. It doesn't make any sense. I can go on YouTube and find this. So everyone was steered towards YouTube to get that content. They bypassed the relationship, the one-on-one -on -one host relationship kind of thing. They don't really care about that. And then when COVID hit, this was another pivotal moment for the podcast. I had over a million subscribers on YouTube and all of my work went into YouTube and lesson learned and other platforms, but YouTube was the largest. We used to put interviews on there and, and so on and so forth and millions of subscribers. Then during COVID, I guess there was some staffing change that they had where they had these bots or automatic people who would take care of accounts because there was no one there at the company. And mistakenly, they annihilated my entire channel annihilated, just treated me like I was non-existent. So years and years of work, all the subscribers just went down the tube. So that was a pivotal moment that kind of was just like, wow, I'm doing all this work, building my house on someone else's property. I shouldn't have done it. <laughs> so that was a very discouraging moment that I really relied on YouTube, really relied on social media platforms. And because I don't anymore, because 
uh, I'm not putting so much effort into that. And I'm trying to build apart from those channels, not building my house on other people's property. It's become a struggle to do it on your own for discovery, et cetera, et cetera. You slowly build up these relationships on LinkedIn, which is my biggest audience now because I'm focused more towards business and video. But that pivotal moment in COVID made me really realize that I need to do this on my own. I need to build my audience on my own. And it's really difficult to do without those platforms. So here I am now, and I don't have many subscribers on YouTube, which is very embarrassing, but I still do put content on there. I still have a very large following with the podcast, but I'm not getting any conversions or engagement. So it's just like, why? I don't mean to sound negative, but it's just like, I think this ship has sailed. You know, I think it's done what it needed to do. I, I need to either rebrand or give it up. And I'm leaning more towards the rebranding with short form videos or AI. Maybe I might rebrand and do this all over again. So I don't talk about the same topic that I've talked about in 2005, 17 times more. So I'm at a moment now where I think I'm just going to either rebrand or just give it up entirely. But I did so much work on this podcast. And the name of the podcast too really hurt me because digital video were some keywords way in the past. But today, like DV show, DVD show, who are you? You know, that discoverability is just not there. I made such an imprint on the web that changing that now would just be like, would be disaster. So I'm at a crossroads on what to do and where to go. So any advice on anyone starting a podcast, make sure you just have a generic name <laughs> and don't relate it to any keywords to the industry that you're talking about, because later on down the line, it could become obsolete or irrelevant. And that's kind of like the position I was in a couple of years ago with that, with that podcast name. Well, I'd share two similar stories. I mentioned that we rebranded the podcast about mm, a year and a half in, probably six, yeah, probably 80 episodes in, we switched the name of the podcast. Well, the nice thing is we only saw an uptick, definitely not at the rate that you were, but that was something that we wrestled with was if we're going to pivot, do we need to start over a new feed? The person who kind of pushed me over the edge in that regard was Andy Frisella. He built his thing. Are you familiar with Andy? Uh, I've heard, yeah. I'm somewhat so familiar. he had the MF CEO project, I think was the name of it when he first started. And that's what he became known under. And then he changed it at some point, I believe, when, when his partner or his co-host left to the Andy Frisella show. And it's only grown since that because he was really able to take that feed and keep the archive and all that sort of stuff. And so... I think for podcasting, I can't speak to YouTube, but for podcasting, there seems to be little downside in switching the name of the show, especially because all those subscribers are still hooked into that RSS feed. The second thing, I think back to, you know, before I was into podcasting, I built a brand and a Facebook group and a YouTube channel all around a really niche audience, kind of a digital marketing niche yeah. I'm just kicking myself that I didn't find a way to pivot it. I sold some scraps and I kind of like scrapped it because I knew that I was going to go a different direction. And as I'm looking at it, about four or five years later, I'm kicking myself because I wish that I had found a way to keep whoever was invested, just me and the value that, and they just liked me regardless of what I was talking about. Because five years later, the industry is kind of bringing me back to it. But all of those people... I just can't say all, but there's a number of people who are like, wow, I thought you were dead. I didn't know what happened to you for the last few years. It's great to see. You. And the relationship was already established and wasn't cultivated over that time. So just for the listeners, I'd imagine that there's a lot who are considering pivoting or considering niching down or whatever it might be. And so you know, there's a, a number of experiences to kind of draw from. 
Yeah, rebranding rebrand is a scary thing. It's almost like, you know, when you're getting married in your professional world, you've always been known for this name. And when you get married, females mostly, when you get married, you change your name. All of a sudden, you're nobody. <laughs> you know, you start from scratch. And that was such a fear. I've so wanted to change the name because DV gets so confusing. It's so archaic and really not relevant anymore. But then we're in numerous magazine articles. You Google search us. We're all over the place. Our domain, our emails. And it's just, you're going to start from scratch again. Do I really want to do that after 18 years? I don't know. I mean, a little tip. If you're going to start a podcast, make it as generic, <laughs> generic as possible. Yeah. When you look ahead to now, what it could be or what the next steps are, what might that look like? Help us to see where, at least where you're at in that process. Yeah, I'm going through some social media therapy right now with a lot of friends on Clubhouse and forums and social groups. And I honestly do not know what the next step is. I'm in a conundrum in a bunch of ways. Why don't you just sell your email list, sell your subscribers? Well, I can't do that because my privacy policy doesn't allow that. I can't go behind everybody's back and all of a sudden sell that giant email list to whatever company that wants it because that's just not only unethical, but it's a violation of the privacy policy. So what do I do? Do I just keep this podcast and, and just keep going with it until everyone fades away? But again, I have subscribers who've been in, in there paying on a monthly basis since 2005 and a good majority of them. So what do I do? I'm in a spot where I don't even know what to do, but to just continue it until I'm no longer here on this planet. I mean, what other thing can I do? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it is an attractive thing to buy. I mean, treat it like a company, sell it like a company. But then again, it's a podcast. People listen to it for me. So I really don't, honestly don't have an answer to that. I don't know. This is where I'm stuck in a rut. If you can just picture a car stuck in a hole in a ditch with a tire, just keep you know, spinning and mud whipping around. That's me right now in real life. I don't know where to go with it. Last little topic here. You mentioned AI. It's a personal fascination of mine and something I think can really benefit a lot of podcasters if they yes. can see how they might be able to leverage it. What are your thoughts on that and how that might impact media and content creators? Yeah, love AI. So I use AI frequently, not only video production, but for my podcast, even cloned my voice and got past a, a few listeners who were not convinced it was me. And it's just like a good majority do not. So AI is absolutely amazing to, it's a tool, it's an additional staff member, a tool to speed up that workflow. Like in the past, you know, I would have to write my podcast, have the different answers and questions coming up and all that good stuff. And you just pop it into ChatGPT, put some commands in there and you have a whole show within 30 seconds exaggerating a little bit, maybe five minutes. But AI not only creates the show, it creates, you know, give me some good headline. Give me a good headline for the show. Give me a good hook for the show. That's what I use through AI. And then for marketing reasons, AI is great to analyze the stats and who the persona is that listens because it's constantly always changing. You know, believe it or not, not many video professionals listen to my podcast about video. And you're constantly using AI to not only identify who that audience is, but to make your workflow faster. I mean, there are tons of other reasons, but those are the two top ones. Totally love AI. And I think anyone wanting to do a podcast with AI, it'll be a lot easier than what it used to be. It even creates my RSS feed and I still do that manually. I do have a script that kind of just writes my RSS feed and people will probably be rolling their eyes right now. Like, do you do your own RSS feed? Yes, I do. I create that own, actually ChatGBT does it for me. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are other uses for AI, but highly, highly recommend using AI for any sort of content creation. 
This has been a fun conversation, Brian. We've got the DB show. If people want to get connected with you, go deeper in your world, where's the best place to go? Yeah, so they can connect with me on LinkedIn, which is where I hang out a lot. I don't know if you're going to put a link to my profile in there, but I also have another podcast that I stopped way back in 2005 that, well, not 2005, 2020. It's called The Wealthy Podcaster. And I have another website called The Wealthy Podcaster that kind of teaches people how to be wealthy with their podcasts. It's not talking about being rich with money. It's talking about being wealthy because one thing I can absolutely, if I stop podcasting, one thing I will absolutely regret losing are those connections and those relationships that I built over the years. I mean, I've connected with some really high up people from different companies, different organizations, individuals who are just trying to start out with their video production. I've connected with so many individuals and those relationships that I've built has made me wealthy, right? So I am so wealthy. I'm not rich with money, but I'm wealthy with so much experience and so much knowledge and so many relationships. That's the one thing that podcasting has brought to me over the years. It wasn't about the money. It was about having fun and just meeting a ton of amazing, amazing people in their own world and their own circumstances. So you can see me at the dvshow.com and go to wealthypodcaster.com. It's all for free. It's all right there. And all the steps that I've taken to be where I'm at today. I tried to monetize that, but it didn't work. <laughs> so... Well, we appreciate what you're doing and I'm excited to see. I'm sure that you are not going to stop creating. That's probably something I've learned about a lot of people in our industry is that regardless of what the medium or the format or the show is, that there's, there's going to be something that they're putting out in the world. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what that might be. So am I. For those of you listeners who made it here, we appreciate you sticking with us and, and hanging out with us today. We would love and appreciate a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. And, and if you know someone who is starting a show or has a show and I think this might be beneficial, there's probably someone who mentioned that they're thinking about starting a podcast. would love for you to send this to them and let's grow the community together. Go get connected with Brian on LinkedIn. Appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all.